This is KMTT. We have the Shi'u of Harav Ezra Bik on the Shmon Esri. Last week we explained as an introductory uh, Shia the concept of Kedusha, at least the concept of Kedusha as part of Tefillah, what we call Davar Shabit This week we return to the text of Shmon Esri, but not to the Shmon Esri itself. First we will examine the tefillah known as Kedusha, the addendum that which is added in Betzibu, in Chazarat HaShatz, when davening uh, with the minion, uh, the petition of Shmonesre, there is this addition which we call Kedusha. Three psukim, Kedosh, Baruch, and Yimloch. We'll examine the text to elucidate the ideas contained, and only afterwards, namely next week, will we actually return to Shmonesre proper, and discuss the Bacha that begins at HaKadosh, the Bacha of Kedusha itself. Um, the heart of Kedusha is three psukim. Pasuk from Yishayahu, Kedosh, 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 Hashem Tzvakot, Meloch, Al Aretz, Kibodor. Pasuk from Yehezkel, Baruch, Kod Hashem, Imkomo. And Pasuk from Tehilim, Imloch, Hashem, Le'olam, Elokech, Tzion, Edor, Vador, Halaluka. Before that, there is an introductory line. This line is, properly speaking, a line which belongs to the Chazan. In fact, the Beit Yosef says that it should only be said by the Chazan. And the Tzibu should not say it. Uh, the minute today, based on the Pesach of the is that the Tzibu can say it. You don't have to say it, but uh, the minute arose to, for the Tzibu to say this line as well. But it's clear that the Beit Yosef is correct in principle. The Chazan says to the Tzibu, let us say Kedusha, and then the Tzibu answers, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. It's just similar to what happens in Baruch where the Chazan says, Baruch and then the Tzibu answers, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch As an aside, I should point out that that is why, even if the Tzibu also says it, it doesn't change the original fact that the Chazan is supposed to call it out, he's supposed to invite the Tzibu to say and therefore it's important to hear the Chazan say that line, which is why the proper meaning is that the Tzibur says it first, but then the Chazan then repeats it out loud. Uh, for the interest of time, very often the Chazan says it together with the Tzibur, or he says most of the other Tzibur, only says the last few words. But obviously the most important word here is the first. He says to them, let us, let us say Kedusha, Nikadesh. Uh, this, this is a standard form in Chazan, similar to Baruch, or similar to uh, Zimun in, in, in Benching, where one person says, let us say the bracha, and then and then they answer. And therefore, what happens very often in shuls, where you don't hear the chazan say nikadesh, I think something which should be corrected. Back to our thing. What does he say? Nikadesh shemcha ba'olam marom. Let us say we will. Let us say kedusha. Let us uh, be. Let us sanctify your name in this world, in the manner in which the angels sanctify your name in the heavens. Offhand, this would appear to contradict the principle that I laid down last week. What I explained at length last week was that true Kedusha, or the Kedusha in which we're interested, sanctification can take place only in this world, because by definition, sanctification is the sanctification of the mundane. It's reflecting God's absolute sanctity in a world which is not God, in a world which is not complete, which is imperfect. 
which is striving to reach perfection, and that striving is the Ketusha. Ketusha is the, is the uh, transcending of the, non, the non-holy, of the profane. So that kind of Kedusha can only take place in this world. So why then do we say that we are going to imitate the angels and say Kedusha the way they say it? The Gemara in Chulin, Daf Tzadi Bet, which describes the Kedusha of the angels. And it's called Shira. And the Gemara there says as follows. Amarav Hanan el Amarav, Shalosh Kitoch Malachia Sharet Omrot Shira Bacholium. There were three uh, groups, three choruses of angels, the ministering angels. They recite Shira, they recite song every day. One says Kadosh, one says Kadosh, and the third says Kadosh Hashem Tzvakot. This becomes a parallel talking about Kadush, even though it's called here Shira. Okay. Now, the Gemara continues. Chavivin, meitve, Chavivin Yisrael lifnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu yotami malachai HaSharet. The Jewish people is more dear to God, more than the ministering angels. And then the Baraita gives a number of reasons, or a number of indications of this uh, special status that the Jewish people have. I'm skipping the first one, which I'll Quote later on, and it's not relevant to our purposes right now. The Gemara then says one of them is the third one, the third uh, indication of the greater importance of the Jewish people is the angels do not recite their song, their praise, their kedusha above. Until Israel recites it below. Shenemar Boron Yahad Kochve Boker Vahadar Vayariu Kol Bene Elokim. Quotes a Pasuk in Eov, which the Mah understands, we're not gonna discuss the exact derivation, that first the earth has a song, and only afterwards Vayariu Kol Bene Elohim. So it turns out that the Gemara says that in print, in fact, I was right last week. Kedusha in heaven, what you have imagined would be the, the, the ultimate Kedusha, the, the perfect Kedusha, the, the ministering angels of the court of God, they cannot say Kedusha until we say it first. They basically join us. They're an addendum to our Kedusha. They're supporting caste. But they cannot say Ketusha until the Jewish people say Ketusha below. How then do I understand the text of the Nakadesh, of the opening line of Kedusha? It turns out that there's a, an interesting and almost paradoxical cycle involved. We quote the angels and say Ketusha, and then the angels say Ketusha. How, how this could take place in practicality, I don't think we have to send it at literally to ask the question like, so who says first? But I think the point is very clear. 
the text of Kedusha, we need to learn from the Malachim. But the actual Hakdasha, the actual act of sanctification, we say. And they can merely echo it after we say it. Why is that? That's exactly the point I explained last week. When we say Kedusha, we aren't speaking about imperfection. We're speaking about perfection. The word Kadosh means transcendent, transcendent, and more transcendent. But we're the ones who are saying that. When somebody on this earth is able to perceive and reflect and accept upon himself the absolute transcendence and sanctity and otherworldliness and, 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 and overwhelming greatness of God, that is the act of developing Tusha in the world. So in order to know what to say, we have to borrow from the angels. The angels don't see or experience and surely don't create the transcending, the, the perfection, perfecting of God. Because that's not what they're doing. But I can't be a developing sanctity unless I see, unless I declare the absolute perfection of God. And therefore, what we do is we say, well, we needed to cheat, we needed to steal, we needed a prophet. The prophetic eye was able to perceive, at least somehow, some way, the absolute perfection of God, the absolute sanctity of God. And therefore, we are now going to say those very same words. But the act, the, the, the magnificent act of crowning God in this world, of coming closer to God and therefore injecting sanctity into the mundane, of turning the static creation into the developing, perfecting, reflecting the perfection of God, only we can do that. We do that by putting in our mouths the vision of the angels. So in fact, the cycle exists. The angels see that God is perfect. We, not knowing how to say this ourselves, we, we needed this instruction for them because how could we as static imperfect individuals even perceive the perfection of God? So we needed to open up our eyes through the instrument of prophecy to see what the angels see. And then we adopt those words, and our adoption of those words creates a totally new thing. That's the crowning of God over territory in which He wasn't king. That's the creation of sanctity in a world in which there was no sanctity. That's the mending of the tear that the Medrash speaks of what Avraham Avinu did when he brought God back down into the world. And then, that wonderful thing, the true, that's the true shira the true praise of God, so then the Malachim can join in and say, well, if they're saying it, we can, we can sort of join in in the background and hum along, harmonize along with the Jewish people. Okay, that's the idea of the opening, the declaration of what we're about to do. We will listen to the Nusach Ashkenaz is more explicit than the Nusach Svad, even though the, the meaning is the same in both, but Nusach Ashkenaz is more explicit. We will sanctify your name in this world. In exactly the same way, literally, the words will be the exact same words 
the the meaning of the words, the content of the words will be the exact same meaning as they say in the other world. But that's an amazing difference. To speak about God's perfection in this world is in fact a totally different thing to speak about it in the upper world. But that's what we're going to do. And that's the true Kedusha. And then, as the Gemara points out, the Malachim can join us and say it, and say it as well. Okay, let us turn now to the Psukin themselves. What exactly are these Psukin describing? Kadosh, 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 Hashem, Sifkol, Luchaz, Kvodo, Baruch, Kodosh, Amim, Kumo. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Holy, holy, holy. As we pointed out, the basic meaning of the word Kadosh, Ramban Kadoshim, means Parush, separated. In our language, transcendent. So the meaning of the first Pasuk, as I once heard from the Bab Zatzal, transcendent, transcendent, even more transcendent. God is above and above the above and, and above the even concept of above. Hashem Tzvakot, the Lord of many hosts. What does the end of the Pasuk say? It says the exact opposite of what the beginning of the Pasuk said. But as we've explained, it's not the opposite. It's the reflection. The opposites reflect each other. God is above, beyond, and transcendent over all, but He is the Lord of all. He's the Lord of many hosts. And therefore, Melo Chol Haaretz Kivodo. This earth is filled with the glory of God. As I explained last week, Kivod Hashem means the presence of God in the world. Kavod, honor, glory. Milashon Kaved, something which is heavy, which is be- born as a burden. God's Kavod is found only in the faces, reflected on the faces of those who recognize it. The honor, the glory of God. So, although, I'm going to say the sentence twice, although God is transcendent, 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 nonetheless, the world reflects His glory. Let me say that again. Because God is transcendent, 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 that transcendence is reflected in the world. We've started in the ultimate heavens and we end up deep in the earth. That explains the basic idea that I was trying to explain last week. Although because, as a reflection of the infinite distance between man and God, God is found on man, in man, around men. The entire earth is filled with his glory. Next line. What does that mean? Blessed be the glory of God from its place, from his place. What do the words mean? The in Chagiga states, and we refer to this in one of the introductory piyutim added on Shabbat. Kedusha on Shabbat has been lengthened, not that the Kedusha is any longer, but there are piyutim between the sections. So there you have the Chazan saying the following line.
כבודו מלא עולם, משרתיו שואלים זה אל זה, איים מקום כבודו. His servants, meaning the angels, ask each other, where is the place of his glory? And then they answer, לומתם ברוך יומיו, and now we say, ברוך כבוד השם מקומו. ברוך השם מקומו is an answer to the question, איים מקום כבודו. Where is the place of his glory? The Gemara Chagiga says that what that means, and the, the Pete is based on that Gemara, that means that even the angels don't know what is his place. They say, Ayei mekom kvodo. And the answer is, Baruch Kvod Hashem mim komo, it's only his place. Even the angels don't see the actual place. What, what, what does that mean? So I think the answer is as follows. This Pasuk is the reflecting opposite of the previous Pasuk. We've just stated that the earth is filled with the glory of God. And now I ask, what is the place, meaning, what is the root? What is the home base? Okay, the word Mekomo means home base. The glory of God fills everything, but, but, but where does it come from? It fills everything. But what is the source of Kvod Hashem? Baruch Kvod Hashem. Baruch here also, Baruch also means the source. Baruch Kvod Hashem, the, the blessing of, the, the place, the, the source of the strength. Where, where does the energy come from? That, that's what the word Baruch means. Where, where does the blessing flow from? Baruch Kvod Hashem, the, the soul of the glory of God, the inner energy of the glory of God, the force of the glory of God is mim komo. What does mim komo mean? A place so high, so transcendent, so utterly other that even the angels, who after all are in the end created beings and not divine beings, even the angels can't perceive that place. God transcends even the angels. So we've just said is, true, the world is filled with His glory, but don't make a mistake. The glory of God doesn't derive from those who bear the glory of God. When I've said a number of times that man creates Kedusha, I didn't really mean that. It's true that man creates Kedusha, but he's not the source of Kedusha. The source of Kedusha is God the transcendent, so transcendent that it's a place that no one could possibly grasp. Where is Makom Kvodo? Where is the place of His glory? End of question. We don't know. It, it's, it's a place that only He knows about. Taking the two Psukim together, what have I just done? I've made a full circle. God is holy, other, holy, transcendent. And the reflection of that glory fills the whole world. And what is the source of the reflection of that glory? A place so transcendent, nobody knows where it comes from. You start above... You come down into the earth, you do a 180-degree turn, and you return, 360-degree turn, and you return to the Most High Place. The point here is that the concept of Kedusha, as I explained it last week, is inherently at war with itself. It's inherently a tension. It's not a, it's not a static description. You have to maintain an absolute commitment to two what appear to be contradictory poles to have the concept work at all. Kedusha is found in the tension between those two 
foci, those two poles. Kedusha applies only to the transcendent. Nothing in this world could properly speak and be described as sacred, because sacred means not of this world. Sacred means of God's world. Only God is holy, nothing else is holy. Yet, the concept of Tusha is that human beings can reflect that Kedusha. You can take something which is imperfect, and therefore by definition not holy, but you can perfect it. And in its perfection, in its dynamic perfection, in its movement, not in its state, at any given time, imperfect things are always imperfect, and being imperfect, they're not sacred. They're profane. But in their movement from one imperfect state to a less imperfect state, they are reflecting perfection itself. And that, 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 that state is, is what we call perfecting, that we would call Kedusha in this world. In order to make that work, you have to not fall into the trap of saying, oh, okay, what we call Kedusha is what I do when I produce something. If you speak like that, that's called idolatry. It's so close to the real thing that it has a more than a small aura of, of sanctity, but it's, it's idolatry. Because you've cut off the connection between what you're doing and its aim, its goal. The only reason why perfecting is sacred is because perfecting is aimed at perfection. The strength, the source, the energy, the force which turns human development into perfecting is the existence of perfection. If you're merely moving but you're not moving towards the absolute, if you're moving only towards the slightly better but not towards the good, towards the absolute good, then that's not called perfecting at all. There once was a philosopher who clearly perceived the point that the value of human life is in the movement. But unfortunately, he was unable to believe in the absolute. He didn't believe in God. And therefore he had to come to the rather strange conclusion that man must make decisions, man must take control of his life. The, the movement of man, the controlled movement of man, as opposed to being a leaf driven in the wind, is what gives man meaning, but it doesn't make what does make a difference what direction you go. That was Jean Paul Sartre, a theistic, uh, a theistic process philosophy, cannot distinguish between movement up, movement down, because there's no up and there's no down, and therefore there's no difference between great Rishayim and great Sadiqim. What we're saying is that what grants the, the perception that Sartre had that that if I make a move, if I if I make a decision to to create something. That that's value. What gives it that value is that it's a pale, but nonetheless very real reflection of something which is absolutely not dependent on man at all. Without God, then human transcendence is not transcendence. It's merely change. And that's what these psukim are saying. And in order to say it, they had to contradict themselves twice because it, it, it's it's in the movement from A to B and then B back to A. That that's where that 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 tense situation where you can never stop. Kadosh kadosh kadosh. If you don't continue, you haven't sanctified anything. If you don't maintain the link of kvod Hashem to mikomo, then you've taken the 
perfecting and you've turned it into child development. You've made it merely a change in the human condition and therefore you've, you've profaned it. You've turned it into something which is profane and not, and not sacred. So I have to, as I say, I have to remember that and when I say, yes, Kadosh, 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 God is above all. I have to remember that my saying that is my saying that. When I say that, I make it true about myself. I, I drag myself into being a, a, a receptacle of Kedusha, into being the bearer of Kedusha, into being the chariot of God. So when I say Kadosh, 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 I have to right away say, And then I have to say, but, from the place that's above all. So what these two psukim say is they explain in very, very dynamic terms the idea which I think I explained probably less well last week. Kedusha is the reflection of the, of the imperfect world of the perfection of God. Without any discounts. I'm not saying that I will be slightly better. I'm not saying I want to be, I want to reflect a state that's higher than myself. You're saying, I want to reflect the state that is infinitely higher than myself. I want to reflect the state that is ultimately transcendent of this world. And that's what gives you the ability to transcend yourself. After having said that, we now can say the third line, which is the actual, the actual result of saying Tusha. Imloch Hashem le'olam elokaych tzion this pasuk is not a description of God's majesty, but it's the crowning, it's the making God majestic. Yimloch Hashem Le'olam is not saying God rules, it's saying let God rule. It's a statement you make at the coronation, when the people, as the crown is put on the king's head, the people declare Yimloch Hashem Le'olam, or as the people said at the time of the coronation of Shaul HaMelech, Yechi HaMelech. Or as Batsheva said, when she met David HaMelech at the time of the appointment of her son, Shlomo. Yechi HaMelech David Le'olam. She's adding life, so to speak, to the close-to-death David. By adding kingship to the king, we are crowning the king. Yim lo Hashem Le'olam. And for those who aren't convinced, the second part of the Pasuk. The God of Zion, the God of the earth. Our God who is king over us. Yimloch Hashem Lolam, and therefore he's king, not in the heavens, but he's king on Zion. Having said that, having therefore witnessed before our very eyes the ascendance of God on the throne of the earth, we're so amazed. We, we've just witnessed the, the increasing presence of God before us that it bursts out of our mouth almost... Uh, almost with coercion. Hallelujah. Uh, an, an exclamation. It's not a praise of God, but an exclamation of praise. Wow. Hallelujah. I've just witnessed the descent of Kedusha in the world. I've actually created it. I've been the, the bearer of the creation of sanctity in the world and it's present not a foot from me, not an inch from me, but, but in my mouth. Hallelujah. The mouth responds automatically by the praise of God. And there is a halachic discussion 
concerning the status of the third of the third pasuk. Yachronim, uh, I believe the first one was the Korban Tanel, said that if we say in the Kadesh and Chabulam Kishayim Matum Shmei Marum, if we say Kedusha like the Malachim say Kedusha, so therefore Papa Kedusha is only those pasukim in the Malachim. Pasukim in the Malachim are Kadosh and Baruch. Yimloch is not a pasuk of the Malachim. It's not found in the prophetic text. It's found in Tehidim. So we claim that Yimloch is not properly speaking part of Kedusha. The the result is that in those places where we have a reluctance to be mafsik in the middle of Birkut Kriyachma, so the luck is that you do say Kedusha. If you're in Kriyachma and you hear Kedusha, or if you're in a Lokain itself, and the Chatz is already saying Kedusha, so you do answer Kedusha, because it's very important. So the Kuban Tanel, when this is brought down in the Mishnah Bura, says you should only say Kadosh and Baruch, but not say Yimloch. Based on what I just said now, I disagree. Yimloch is the ultimate Kedusha. It wouldn't make any sense if you hadn't said Kadosh and Baruch first, but it's the ultimate Kedusha. Why isn't there a Pasuk of the Malachim? Exactly. The Malachim can't say Yimloch. Only we can say Yimloch. Malachim can say that God is perfect. But when we say God is perfect, we are crowning God, as Rabbeinu Yonah, who I quoted last week, said, Ein yoter mi kabalat on malchuto. The acceptance of the yoke of heaven, the acceptance of the kingship of God is the greatest of Asher B'Kushah because it's the creation of more kingship. So I think Yimloch is the most important Pasuk in Kedushah, although it wouldn't make any sense if you hadn't said Kadosh and Baruch first. In fact, none of the Vishonim make the distinction the Kabbalah and Tano makes. They all say, you, you say Kedushah in, uh, in, in Birkot Kriyashma, you say Kedushah in Elokai Yitzel, you say Kedushah. They, they said Kedushah without a distinction. They mean everything that's in the city for Kedushah that includes Yimloch. And I'm convinced that all the Bishonim disagree with this uh, uh, comment of the Achronim. And Halach HaLemaisa, yeah, I think you should say it. Even in those places, in any place where you can say Kedusha, you should say Yimloch as well. Kedusha without Yimloch would be right, but it would be missing, it would be missing the main point, it would be missing the, the status to which Kedusha aspires to crown the majesty of God over, over the earth. Okay, so we've now explained Kedusha. As a final comment, there is one Kedusha which is somewhat different in terms of its introductory Pasuk. There's no real difference between the Kadesh and Nakdishra. The word Ba'ulam doesn't appear. Nakdishach, Benaritzach, Kenoam, Sir, Sosaf, Ekodesh, Matrishim, Shemcha, Ba'kodesh. The main point is there. We will say Kedusha like the Malachim say Kedusha. There is a Kedusha there is a Kedusha, Kedushat Keter, said in Nusach Sfad, on, in, in, in Musaf, where the text is really different. Keter Yitnu Lachafisvod mentions kingship right away. This supports my declaration that Yimloch is a very important part of Kedusha, at least in one of the Nuschaot of Kedusha, Keter Yitnu Lachah, a crown we placed on your head, as the, as the angels. How do the angels place a crown on God's head? By saying Kedusha. But the more important point is, is that it, there's been a subtle but nonetheless important change in the relationship between man and Malachim. I've claimed, and I quoted the Gemara in Hulin, to prove that the Malachim are not the ultimate source of Kedusha, we're the ultimate source of Kedusha. Or we're the, the Malachim are not, the, are not the ultimate loci, locus of Kedusha. We are. That's why they can only say it after we say it. And that's Nikadesh Shem Chabodam Kishem Shemotoh. Kedushat Keter says, Keter Yitnu Lecha, 
השם אלוקינו מלאכים, אמר נאמר לה, אימם חי ישראל קבוצי מטה. The angels and human beings will say the Kedusha together. Yachad kulam. Together they will say Kedusha. The Gemara says they don't say it together. So it seems that there's this, even though I'm right, even though the Gemara is correct, but nonetheless there's this, there will someday take place the union of the worlds. In our world, there's this very important distinction between the world of perfection and the world of imperfection. But we're aspiring, the whole idea of Ketusha is to at least aspire to erase that distinction. So every now and then, perhaps on Shabbat, which is Me'en Olam Haba, Shabbat, a reflection of the world to come, we're able to say, Keter Yitnu Lecha, the whole distinction will disappear in all creation. The upper world, lower world, together, we'll be saying Ketusha. The Gemara that I skipped in Chulun, when listing why people are better than angels, says the following. The first indication of the supremacy of humans over angels was as follows. <laughs> For Israel says Shira at all hours. Now, we only say it uh, twice a day. But but your job, your creation, to be at Selma Lokim, to be the image of God, is to, is to engage in reflecting God's glory at every moment. But the angels say it only once a day. So literally, we say it twice a day, they say it once a day, that's not that big a distinction. But it, it doesn't mean that. It means we say it all the time, as it says, our lives are reflecting of God. But they have a job to say the words as they are, but they're not actually doing anything. But in fact, the Gemara continues. Another person says they only say Shiva once a week. Another person says once a month. They only say it once a year. They only say it once every seven years. They only say it once every fifty years. I believe that in Shas is the longest list of different opinions. I think it's not really, this, it's not really an argument. I mean, how could they be arguing? How do they know? There are no names mentioned here because it's not an argument. I mean, it's, it's, it's a medrash. It's not, we don't know how many times the Malachim say Kedusha. Once a day, well, one, once a day, once a week, once a month, once a year, once every seven years, once every fifty years, or once in all eternity. It's, it's like they're, they're building. The point is, we say it all the time and they don't really, it's not really for them to say. They say it mechanically. They don't say it, they don't say it dynamically. And therefore, Maybe even only once in eternity will they be Zohar. I think that's what Ketav is all about. There's this dream that the ultimate state of the world will be when Malachim will really say Ketusha. They won't say it after us, but they'll really say Ketusha. We'll join together as equals in glorifying God. So that's Pamachat Ba'olam. Or Pamachat Be'yovel. Maybe Pamachat Be'shevashanim. That's the dream of, of, of Kedushat Keta, which makes Kedushat Keta such a special Kedushat, but it really doesn't describe the day-to-day, it doesn't describe the actual state of the world that we're in, not because our world lacks Kedushat, but the Kedushat in our world is ours, and, and, and cannot be shared intrinsically by the, world of, by the world of angels. Next week we will actually finally get back to Shemad Esrei, and we will read the text of the Bracha of Kedushat, Kadosh. And I hope more or less it should be self-explanatory based on the principles we've described. But we'll read it line by line and try to understand what the Nusach of Chazal, what Chazal put into the Bacha without Kedusha. Just the Bacha of Kedusha. Ta Kadosh, Shemcha Kadosh, Shemcha Yomu Chasela. 
What is the meaning of the bracha? That will be our job for next week.